If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. International Horse College's motto is people safety and horse welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered Training Organisation number 31352. Our guest today is a guest with a little bit of a difference. She's an equine nutritionist. Her name is Larissa Bilson. How are you today, Larissa? Good, thanks. Good. Larissa, do you have a favourite quote for us? I don't know if it's going to be nutritionist-based or equine-based, but I'm sure it'll be a good one. Have you got one for us that you'd like to talk about? I do. It's not equine-based, but I think it applies nicely to all areas of life. It's one from Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, and I've always liked it. If you want to build a ship, don't drum up people to collect wood and don't give them jobs and work but instead teach them to long for the far and endless sea. I just think this message applies to the work that I do with horse owners because I'd rather show someone how a well-fed horse looks and behaves and teach them how to apply basic nutrition principles so that they can create the correct diet themselves rather than always being reliant on an expert or the mysterious contents of a bag of feed to give their horse that absolute health. Yeah, so teaching them the end goal as well, which has got to be more motivational for them. You know, most people want to know the goal of where they're going to rather than just sort of busy going round and round in circles. Yes. Larissa, tell us a bit about how you started with horses and what your first memories were. When I was seven years old, we were living on small acreage and my parents were breeding Angora goats and they were milking dairy goats and all I wanted was a pony. And I nagged and I nagged and I nagged for years and my parents said no and then my lovely grandfather went out and bought me a pony. My cousin gave me a few lessons and I was away. I'd never looked back and I've never regretted it for a minute. That was a nice thing for your grandfather to do. What did your parents say when he um, decided to get you a pony? I don't think they were impressed, but they were very supportive parents with mine and my sister's horse passions over the years. They worked really hard through the week and, you know, eventually ended up dragging us around to pony club and all the things that we wanted to do with the horses on the weekend. So a really great thing for a pet of a child. <laughs> good, good. And then going from replacing, because they would have had to not have as many goats if the ponies would have taken up some of the grazing. So having a pony that replaced a goat to having a career with horses, what was your track there? When did you actually decide that you wanted to have a career with horses? That's all I thought about. It was all I wanted to do. I was always interested in the agriculture that happened around us. And so for me, it was quite natural to go and study agricultural science at uni. And then from there, studying agricultural science, what made you specialise then in equine nutrition? What was the particular attraction there? When I finished school, I would have really loved to have gone and done, I used to call it the horse course at, at Roseworthy Ag College. So it was an equine science course. And I chose it ag science at Melbourne Uni because I thought it gave me more job opportunities um, 
gave me lots of different areas I could work in. It was a really great course and I'd really recommend it to anyone who's interested in science and interested in animals and plants as well. So I graduated from Melbourne Uni and I'd done animal nutrition, animal production, those sorts of courses throughout uni. And then I worked in quite a few different areas as an agricultural scientist. I worked in dairy nutrition for the government for a while. I ended up becoming a consultant and I was working in, in communication, so science communication and facilitating workshops between farmers and scientists. So I've always had an interest in helping people understand science, but also in helping scientists understand what the people need science to find out about. One day I was offered a job in a feed mill and I, I went back and I was working in nutrition with a lot of different animal species and of course, you know, the horse nutrition just really drew me in and that was really where I focused my energy and and I love it. I love working with horse people. If someone's going to work in the horse industry, what do you think are the core skills or character traits that they need to start working in the horse industry? I think you need to understand people. I think if you're going to be working in horse nutrition, you need to be able to understand what it is that people are trying to achieve with their horses and be able to listen to their problems and and be quite analytical in the science that might be behind helping them find the solutions. So when you say understand people, because there is quite a difference between the practitioner and the science sometimes, isn't there? You know, sometimes you get practitioners that go down the science role and you get, you know, the combination of both and and probably less often you get scientists that go down the practitioner role, but there is a clear difference in the language between someone who's just a practitioner and someone who's just a scientist. That's right. And I suppose my interest in science communication means that I've got a bit of a passion for bringing those two things together. So it's almost a little bit like being able to speak two languages. A gift with with writing and a gift with listening is probably some of the skills that someone who wants to work in that area really needs to be able to apply. Mm -hmm. And just in the horse industry or in the equine nutrition horse industry, you know, part of the horse industry, what's the best thing about it? For me, I feel like my job is just always fun. I mean, that sounds strange in some ways, but all the questions that come to me are interesting. I like finding out the answers. If it's not something I know the answer to, I enjoy going and doing the study to give that person the answer. And I'm getting a little bit off track here. Remind me what the question was, Glenna. Sorry. That's okay. I'm just asking you about the best thing about working in the horse industry, but I think you really described it, you know, that it is fun, that you are passionate about it. And I think that a lot of people find this, that when they work in the horse industry, that's the reason that they do it. It's more the intrinsic rewards, you know, the rewards they get themselves from just working with particular horses or, you know, you're finding that that you've got that passion to do that extra research and to find the answers to those questions, and that's what draws people into the horse industry. Yes, yes. And, you know, you're dealing with horses and people that are working in in all sorts of different disciplines, so not necessarily the ones that I know a lot about and practice a lot, but it's just fascinating thinking about what differences and what similarities horses need in terms of nutrition are across the different disciplines and Australia is so diverse too. So 
the most feed that any of our horses eat is grass or hay and those plants are grown under a huge range of climates and conditions. So it's an, an endlessly fascinating and broad field of study. Mm, mm, I'm sure it is. Larissa, what about people who've helped you along the way and influenced you within your career? Have you got some people that you'd like to name? From a, from a love of horses perspective, apart from having a, a fantastic pony club instructor as a child, in my early 20s, I met a man who was still my riding coach today, Bill Jacobs, and I've had some really fantastic nutrition mentors who probably don't really want me to name them, but there's just a lot of good help out there for someone who's really interested in, in equine nutrition and wanting to learn ropes and get involved in a career here. And just within your career, you know, because you've you've sort of gone through a few different jobs and now you've got your own business and you're, you know, this is what you're specialising in because you're doing the research, you're loving what you're doing. What do you think's been your biggest challenge on the way to being where you are now? I think anyone who's started a small business and, and built it up from the ground will understand that there are challenges that you meet along the way that you just never would have forecast. Distribution is a challenge in a country as big as ours, so that that you're minimising the cost of freight of a good product to your customers. From the scientific point of view, horse nutrition isn't an area where there are millions of dollars in research funding spent every year, so it's always a challenge to take the anecdotal evidence and combine that with what we do know and come up with something that, that seems to work and makes sense to, to owners and horses alike. And it works in the field. From a personal point of view, I've organised my life so that I can work mostly from a home office so that I can be around for my children. And being a working from home has a whole lot of its own challenges that I face and have faced on a day-to-day basis. But I love it and I couldn't do it any other way. How do you organise your time then? How do you overcome that? I'm a morning person, mm-hmm. so I tend to get up early and people will receive emails and messages from me at strange times of the day. I like to get up and I I open my computer and deal with my correspondence while I have breakfast and then I like to go out and ride my horses and I'll fit that in around dropping the kids off at school and, you know, feeding the animals. And then I'll work again through the day and often I work at night as well. So I do do a lot of work and I tend to work seven days a week. But as I've said already, it doesn't really feel like a job. And I have the flexibility most of the time that if my family needs me or something needs to happen that's not work-related through the day, I'm able to schedule that in so it fits into my life. It's, it's a good way to work. Okay, yeah, yeah, I, I think so too. I sort of do very similar myself and work it around, you know, you have set times for riding and for doing horse stuff and for doing horse-related stuff, but it can be flexible. Mm. Larissa, what do you think is a common mistake that people would have when they're feeding their horses? It's not just the common mistake we need because this is for our listeners, but how can we overcome that common mistake? I think well-meaning horse owners quite often end up overfeeding but undernourishing their horses. Most people set out to give their much-loved horse everything that it needs, but it's fairly easy to step into the trap of believing some of the, I suppose, false 
marketing claims that are out there and believing some of the myths and legends that abound on social media in regard to horse feeding. Some of the best ways, I think, to avoid making those mistakes are to always keep track of, of how fat your horse is. If it's, if it's doing really well, feed it less. If it's a bit poorly or the grass has dried off or is running low, feed it more hay first and then feed it a hard feed only if you have to. A lot of us tend to feed our horses more calories than they use and when you're not riding every day, that tends to create a, a fire-breathing dragon that you don't really want to ride when you do get time to go out. Oh, hang on a sec. Let me interrupt to let people know about the horse industry qualifications at onlinehorsecollege.com. If you have a look at the flexible options, there's online theory and the practical components can be completed by video or with a qualified expert in your area. That website again is onlinehorsecollege.com. Okay, thanks. I think with a lot of the chatter that happens on social media and the and the things that go around about, you know, feed's bad for a horse, that supplement's got problems with it, it's always worth going and asking an expert. Go and ask a nutritionist. There's lots of us out there who would much rather help set the record straight and explain to you the right way to go with designing a good diet for your horse. When you're choosing a mineral supplement for your horse, make sure you choose one that doesn't have iron. The horses get all the iron that they need from the forage that they eat. So there's no need to supplement any more of that. And unfortunately, a lot of the supplements on the market do contain iron. So what's the best way to do that? Is that like reading labels? How do we know that they actually, you know, you talked about false marketing claims. How do we know that they've actually had scientific evidence to show that this is correct formula or not? Yeah, that's a good question and I don't have an easy answer for it. I know that there are a lot of products on the market for horses in terms of feed and supplements that claim to be complete or to provide everything that a horse needs. And in some cases, they don't do that, but in a lot of cases, they do provide or they allow the horse's diet to top up to the recommended daily minimum for each nutrient. Unfortunately, that's not enough. One of the things that is really important in formulating a horse's diet correctly is to make sure that ratios of critical minerals are in balance across the whole diet. And fat, I guess, is the big difference between feeding a diet that's been professionally formulated or using a, a top quality mineral supplement and going with something that's, that's cheaper and possibly not as well formulated. I think reading the label and the things to look out for, I guess the giveaways in a supplement or a feed that's not the best quality is to teach yourself to look for the iron content. Now you are going to have iron content in horse feed because grain has iron in it. But if you're buying just a straight mineral supplement, don't buy it if it's got iron in it. You also need to look for the copper and zinc levels and the vitamin E levels. They're probably the three things that if the nutritionist who's designed and has got those levels right, the rest of the feed is likely to be good. So I guess becoming familiar with vitamin E, copper and, and zinc requirements and just compare the expensive bag of feed with the cheap one and see how different those levels are across the different products. 
And what about some of the myths and legends on social media? Tell us some really good ones that we should probably choose to ignore. Every now and then, social media will put up some scaremongering statements, usually relating to byproducts. So I've seen one doing the rounds talking about how nasty beet pulp is. Beet pulp is a fantastic product. It happens to be a byproduct of, of sugar milling in Europe. It's not high in sugar. And it's a really good source of digestible fibre. So for horses who need low starch calories, it's a fantastic option. We often hear stories about the evils of soy. And I think most of the time they're unfounded. Soy does contain some anti-nutritional factors. When soybean meal and soy hulls have been prepared properly, they've been cooked, they've been processed, that actually removes those anti-nutritional factors and so soy especially full fat soybean meal is one of the best sources of balanced amino acids that we have for feeding horses and almost every mare and yearling or growing horse feed on the market will have good levels of full fat soybean meal in it because it is such good protein for horses. Oh, that's good. That's good for people to take away as well, you know, just to get a little bit of basic information about the equine nutrition. Now, have you got a book or something that you could recommend for people if they do need to know a little bit more about equine nutrition, or even if you've got a book that has influenced you in your life with horses? I think one of the best equine nutrition books that you can buy is one written by Juliet Getty, who's an American nutritionist, she's called it Feed Your Horse Like a Horse. And I think it should be compulsory reading for every horse owner. There's a lot of common sense in there. There's a lot of detail in there too, but she writes it in a way that you can delve as deeply as you like or just sort of skim read through the the key points. And, And I think everyone who reads it will be richer for having done so. And it's a good title, isn't it? You know, feed your horse like a horse. I'm sure that's um, <laughs> that's something that, as you say, is just common sense. But um, I'm interested now to go and read that myself. I like the title. It's a good one. Mm. All right. Now, Larissa, what are you looking forward to now? What does your future hold? Oh, goodness. Hopefully lots more working with horse owners and horse people. We're working on some exciting new products. I'm product development mode and I... I do love that. We're looking at some blends for horses with ulcers. We are looking at producing some more of our equine mitten moon products in pellet form. Um, so there's a lot of opportunities there, I think, to, to come up with some new and exciting formulas. I want to make some horse traits, some healthy horse traits. And we're looking, we're looking at some other species as well. Most horse owners don't just stop at horses, do they? A lot of us end up with dogs and chickens and those what else. So I'm looking forward to using some of my agricultural science knowledge from other species in the future as well. Okay. Thanks, Larissa. And in just a few sentences, can you sum up your philosophy about feeding horses? I guess the most important thing to feed a horse is grass. If you haven't got grass, feed it hay. If it's breeding or growing, look after its protein requirements. It'll usually need a bit more than the grass or hay provides. I'd only add 
the amount of calories to the diet that your horse needs. Otherwise, you'll end up with a fat horse or a horse that's really hard to handle because he's overfed. Something that I'd love everyone to remember is that every horse needs a mineral supplement. It doesn't matter if your horse is, is eating the best grass that you can grow in the world, grown on the best soil, fertilised with the best fertiliser. That grass doesn't provide your horse with it. All its mineral levels are at the right ratios. So every horse needs a mineral supplement. Most of them need vitamin E, but not every horse needs all, all the vitamins supplemented as well. All right. Well, I think that's good for the listeners to take that away with them and look about what they're feeding their horses and maybe just go over their practices. That's good. Larissa, how can people contact you? Probably the easiest way to get in touch is through the Equine Vitamin website, which is www.equinevitmin.com. There'll be a there's a contact form there, and we're pretty diligent about our correspondence and getting back in touch with people. Thanks, Larissa, and that'll also be on horsechats.com/slash Larissa. Bilston, or else just search for Larissa. Okay, Larissa, that's been certainly a bit different, you know, talking about nutrition, and it shouldn't be a bit different to all our other interviews because nutrition's certainly an important part of keeping horses, keeping training, and working with horses. And hopefully, this knowledge will increase everyone else's knowledge, or this education will increase people's knowledge. And we'd like to have you back again soon to talk about a couple of other things. And I think um, we had a couple of questions we'll drill into those a bit deeper the next time we um we chat so thanks very much larissa great to talk to you today my pleasure i'll enjoy coming back to talk nutrition again thanks larissa if you've enjoyed this chat then please comment rate and subscribe if you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests then please contact us through horsechats.com and while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 